Day number 110. 110. All right, day 110. That's day 123. Since Joe promised he wouldn't abandon Americans, he did. There are hundreds of them still there. Military families are still there. Thousands of green card uh, holders uh, trapped behind enemy lines. Our Afghan allies now being, you know, killed in the streets in broad daylight. Women and and girls have lost all their rights now in the new Islamic Emirates of Afghanistan. And now we have another terrorist training ground area, uh, which will come back to haunt us when I cannot predict, just like open borders. Anyway, glad you're with us. A lot of ground to cover. Uh, Dr. Oz on the program today. He's announced he's running for the nomination to be the Republican uh, Senate candidate in less than a year in the great state of Pennsylvania. We'll check in with him. Is Mitch McConnell and uh, his Republican buddies in the Senate going to help Schumer on the debt ceiling this time again? Lindsey Graham did not support it the last time. He'll give us an update on what's going on there with that. Uh, Also, the economy, I mean, you know, uh, actually, Lindsey Graham did a good job. He's the ranking member of the budget committee and rightly has pointed out that he has got the CBO to score build back better new Green Deal socialism exactly the way it should be scored. In other words, they're using accounting gimmicks, as they often do. By the way, this is a trick of government all the time. You always have promised, you know, for example, border security. If, and, and as part of it, you're going to have amnesty. Immediately you get the amnesty and you never get the border security. This is pre-Trump. You know, same thing with, well, we're going to have massive spending reductions. Um, but you always get the tax increase. You never get the spending reduction. In this case, they're using accounting gimmicks. In other words, as if these these new rights that they want to bestow in their Marxism, socialism, redistributionism, new Green Deal, socialism, Marxism, whatever you want to call it, statism. And then you think that you think these laws are going to sunset out? No. When you get to the real cost of what it what this means to the American economy, the cost is staggering. Penn uh, Wharton. I mean, one of the best business schools, probably the best business school in the country. Uh, they did a budget model, and they're not playing games like they do in Congress. Anyway, and the Committee for Responsible Federal Budget, and now the CBO is going to do it this way as well. But in the Penn Wharton case and the Committee for Responsible Federal Budget case, they each concluded when you score this bill out 10 years, it doesn't cost $1.75 trillion. It's not going to cost you zero. It's going to cost anywhere between four point three and four point eight trillion dollars. Now, maybe that'll be ammunition that Joe Manchin can use to tell his party to pound sand. We can't afford it because he keeps saying he cares about the budget and he keeps saying that they're going too fast. This this whole the whole bill is a fraud. Committee for Responsible Federal Budget says it's four point eight trillion well, it's not one point. That's the one point seven five. That's not even the three point five, which is what they wanted. Anyway, we'll have a lot more on this. And then, you know, and Biden and his whole economic team of idiots, he's got the dumbest people around him, you know, out there saying that this is this is going to help stop inflation and it's going to lower energy costs. No, it's not. Just the opposite is going to occur. And if you think it's bad now. In terms of supply chain, a 31-year high with inflation, you know, gas prices up about a buck fifty a gallon, 20, 25, 30 bucks more you pay to fill up your tank. 
And then, of course, heat your homes. It's going to cost anywhere between 500 and a 1000 bucks. I, you know, I have a fireplace in my house. I had the wood guy drop off some wood recently. And he says, you have no idea. I don't I can't keep up because so many people now anticipating and seeing the higher cost of heating their homes. They're deciding to now that wood is cheaper and they're getting cords of wood delivered to their house like I did. I just like it because I like a fire. Um, no, I'm not a pyromaniac. Um, anyway, and then Biden's ridiculous comments, you know, likening the holiday supply shortage to Christmas toy fads, as he brings up here. And I'm listening to him. I'm like, is there anything else you're going to tell us that that makes us feel better? Comparing it to the cabbage patch kids or the beanie babies. Uh, that's not what the problem is, Joe. And then, by the way. In one California city, rising prices overshadow the economy's strength. And this is this is a huge problem. That's Santa Clarita, California. You know, as the economy picks up momentum. Anyway, inflation fears washing over the divided city in Los Angeles. Spending is strong, but they're acknowledging everybody's being more financially secure because of what's going on with the economy. Now, the Fed chair, Jerome uh, Powell, has said that you know, tapering timeline won't disrupt the markets. But, you know, ostensibly, even he said, stop saying it's transitory inflation. It's not. It's real. You know, Biden saying that's not what's happening about the, when we see the media coverage of empty store shelves. The media is not it's, it's not like these these news networks are going in there, cleaning out the shelves and taking a picture of it and say, see, there's nothing here. No, the shelves are actually empty. And I know from my own shopping, which I do myself, that it's it's harder to find a lot of products that are usually readily available. It's unbelievable. Biden saying, if you watch the news, you might think store shelves are empty across the country. That's not what happened. It's happening. Well, it is happening. I went to my drugstore recently, and there are sections of the drugstore where they normally have products that have nothing on the shelves. Nothing. And it's not like they have extra space all of a sudden. They have the same amount of space. Biden calling inflation a worldwide challenge. No, it's a challenge that of his making in large part because of his idiotic, imbecilic energy policies. You know, now, now his answer is to lash out again at the gas and oil industry and charge them more. Well, what do you think they're going to do with, with the increase that in, in license fees, et cetera? It's going to cost them more to produce a, a barrel of oil. You are making them less competitive. How many more times does OPEC have to say no before you finally get it? They're not going to increase production. Why? Because they want oil at high prices because it's more money in their pocket. Just like begging Russia the way you have been begging them. It's humiliating, you know, giving Vladimir Putin a waiver while simultaneously firing uh, Americans that work in the energy sector. Uh, you just can't make any of this up. It's a disaster. Every single one of these problems is preventable, and every one of them is an unmitigated disaster. And the people that are getting crushed the hardest are poor and middle class Americans. They deserve better than this. You know, maybe maybe for some of you out there that never liked Donald Trump's style, guess what? We'd still be energy independent and a net exporter of energy. You know, it's funny. I misspoke last night on TV 
and I and I gave the wrong date when we, we achieved energy independence. I said, you know, to start a COVID or something, I don't know, made some mistake. Uh, but when Donald Trump left office and the months leading up to him leaving, he didn't wasn't importing any oil from Saudi Arabia. So I said it wrong. So I will correct the record. There you go. You know, I love these people uh, over at fake news CNN. The thing is, is they're more obsessed with with why don't they work on their own problems like their crappy ratings? Maybe that would help them instead of trying. You know, I guess they figure if they put up my face on on fake news, CNN, maybe they'll get more eyeballs because people think they're watching Fox. I don't know. But it's so programming is just awful. Then you got flip flop Fauci. This this was a great moment yesterday when Jen Psaki brought along her special guest, the ever so wrong, so often lying, flip-flopping Anthony Fauci, who should have been fired a long time ago. The great and powerful Oz Fauci was actually questioned about why the requirement to test foreign visitors for COVID wasn't being applied at the southern border. This is Fauci's answer. It's okay that they're not being tested because that's a different issue. I'm like, what? What's the point of checking anybody then? Well, we're going to check these people, but not these people. The new regulation, if you want to call it that, says Fauci, is that everybody and anybody who's coming into the country needs to get tested within 24 hours of getting on the plane to come here. What about the people that don't take a plane? What about the people that just walk across the border with the assistance of Joe Biden's administration? Anyway, the reporter says, what about people that don't take a plane? And these border crosses are coming in huge numbers. We have, we're going to reach like a 30-year record high. Fauci, you know, that's a different issue. We still have Title 42 with regard to protection at the border, so there are protections at the border, and you don't have the capability, as you know, of somebody getting on a plane, getting checked, looking at a passport. We don't have that there. Well, apparently we have them in overcrowded cages, uh, Mr. Fauci, if you just open your eyes and pull your head out of, you know, your latest press conference for five seconds and learn something. And I wonder when Fauci hasn't been on the front lines of COVID. Hasn't even been close. I'll tell you what's going to happen. Now, you you heard Governor DeSantis in the lead into the show today. He's not going to allow all these mandates to be applied down in Florida. And, you know, Omicron is spreading. Well, the people that are observing Omicron in South Africa, the top medical professionals if we're following the science what they are reporting as of now is that it might be more contagious but the symptoms are more mild that's what they're that's what they're saying if it stays that way on tuesday the who which by the way we shouldn't give a penny to said omicron cases so far have been mild they're saying the same thing there's no evidence vaccines won't be effective against serious illness from the new strain but again this is only uh, let's Follow the science, but only when the science is convenient to whatever the political argument is at the time. Because if we're following the science, the CDC, last time I checked, was about 162 kids between 5 and 11 had died from COVID at about at the same rate of kids that die from the flu. I don't want any kid to die. But it's, again, the one thing that held true throughout all of this, the people most vulnerable to this virus are people overweight, older people, pre-existing conditions, comorbidities, or compromised immune systems. That's it. In Israel, officials say a Pfizer booster provides 90% protection against severe illnesses from Omicron, but they also have another study 
of nearly 800,000 people as it relates to the Delta variant that that shows that having natural immunity was 27 times more effective in battling Delta, especially because Delta had breakthrough cases. People that, in other words, had been fully vaccinated were, were getting were getting COVID-19 positive tests back. I mean, with less hospitalizations. But again, what's the ne- what, what is the next variant going to bring us? We don't know. Um, by the way, Donald Trump put an end to this. And, and by the way, if you've actually read the book and you read what Mark Meadows said, Mark Meadows did rightly point out, apparently, I did not know this at the time, that, you know, the media is saying that Trump deliberately put Joe Biden's life in danger. No. All right. He got a positive test three days before his debate with Biden. So to make sure it was accurate, Trump took a second covid test. By the way, they do have something called false positives. I know people that have had false positives. Anyway, his second test came back negative. So in all these reports, you're hearing a claim that Trump tested positive before he debated Biden and the mob and the media. This is outrageous. Trump tested positive for covid a few days before the debate. Well, they're forgetting that he got tested again and he showed up negative. Good grief. The Guardian reporting that the new book by Mark Meadows reveals Trump did, in fact, test positive for COVID-19, but then tested negative. (laughs) The story Trump said in a statement, story of me having COVID prior to or during the first debate is fake news. In fact, the test revealed I did not have COVID prior to the debate. You know, then you got these idiots on MSDNC, John Heileman. Republicans trashed Fauci because they don't want COVID to go away. If COVID goes away right now, that's bad for Republicans. Uh, Nothing would make me happier as a conservative. Nobody wants COVID. I don't want anyone that hates my guts to get COVID. I want everybody to live, even if they're going to spend every hour, every second minute of every day trying to get me fired. I'd be happy if you're alive attacking me. Good grief. Amazing, you know, this goes back to Republicans are racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic, transphobic. They want dirty air and water and they kill grandma and grandpa. You know, this idiot Heileman. Republicans trash Fauci because they don't want COVID to go away. Does anybody know anybody that doesn't want COVID to get out of the way so we can live our lives normally again and not have to worry about this thing? Jen Psaki on Biden's promise to shut down the virus. We need the American people to do more. Well, what do you want the American people to do? You're the ones that inherited the three vaccines and monoclonal antibodies. You're the ones out there with the mixed messaging, the confusing mixed messaging that changes every other day. You want to know where vaccine hesitancy came from? From them. From them being wrong. From Fauci being wrong. You know, Joe Biden, fully vaccinated, outdoors, socially distant, mask on. Okay, then goes inside with old people, 96, 93, former President Carter and his wife. And they they take their mask off and they're right on top of the Carters and they're taking pictures. Does that make sense? No, it's the opposite. Masks don't don't work, Dr. Fauci said. Of course they don't work. People are sick of it. We'll continue. All right, 25 now to the top of the hour. Um, I waited till today, uh, even though arguments were held at the Supreme Court yesterday as it relates to 
upholding Mississippi's abortion law. The court heard nearly two hours of arguments in this legal battle. It deals with Mississippi law that prohibits abortions after 15 weeks of pregnancy, which directly conflicts with its past decisions on abortion. Uh, Obviously, it brings up the issue of the 1973 viewed as a landmark decision, Roe v. Wade, uh, reaffirmed by 1992's Planned Parenthood versus Casey case. And the high court says states cannot ban abortion before fetal viability. And the point at which the fetus can survive outside of the womb, which is now considered or was considered at the time between 22 and 24 weeks of pregnancy here. Um, you know, one of the legal arguments constitutionally is that the court in 73 created a right that was not granted in the Constitution. Um, but anyway, the court had held a pretty fascinating discussion on all of this. So in other words, what's interesting about this is how it will play out. The anticipation is is that Roe and Casey may be overturned. Um, and if it is, that would mean that abortion goes back to the states because it's not a right guaranteed under the Constitution. Um, what Democrats would then do with that, Republicans want to get inside of your womb and your uterus and, you know, all sorts of crazy accusations. No, it would be the states, and most states have laws permitting abortion, um, but in, like, the case of Mississippi, they 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 believe the science has brought us to the point where viability is earlier than than what they believed in 1973. Um, anyway, so it got pretty interesting, and a lot of lines were drawn there. Uh, the media consensus was that the majority will of in the court would alter their standard of review for abortion regulation by states, though you never know for sure. Based, you can't predict the outcome of of a decision based on the questioning of of the justices themselves. Uh, we can make, you know, you can make some assumptions. Sonia Sotomayor is mad as hell about it, willing to violate the court's normal standards of decorum at, at, to make her point. You know, from the very beginning, uh, Justice Sotomayor ripped the lawyer for Mississippi. Um, but more notably, her words has was reported. I forgot where I found this article. Forgive me. Um, but literally saying that the newest ban in Mississippi has put in place a six-week ban. The, the Senate sponsor says we're doing it because we have new justices on the Supreme Court. Uh, and Sotomayor really just just tore into this person. I'll tell you some of her other comments in a minute here. Um, anyway, so Brett Kavanaugh, Amy Coney Barrett, you know, she actually brought them up by name. You know, we're doing it because we have new justices on the court, meaning Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett, and maybe Gorsuch, maybe she meant Gorsuch as well, uh, will institute, will this institution survive the stench that it creates in the public perception that the Constitution and its readings are just political acts? I don't see how it is possible. And anyway, um, so that was a a pretty telling moment at at that time. Um, Then it gets a little even more interesting. You know, the media's reaction to this over there at MSDNC, they had a guest on uh, Joy Reid show slamming conservatives following their arguments. 
you know, saying conservatives believe a fetus should have the same rights as a full grown as full grown black people in the United States. Does race have to get into every issue we talk about? Not about race here. Um, but anyway, that's MSDNC. What do you expect? Right. I mean, they're pretty far left. Uh, conservatives want you to think that a fetus who is pre viability, it means it cannot exist outside of its mother. It cannot live outside of the womb, has the same and should have the same legal rights as full grown black people in the country. Why don't we just say human beings? You know, anyway, and the fact that it doesn't is some kind of miscarriage of justice, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, look, what the Democrats say here is they would take this and and demonize this if the science shows. Now, we're being lectured to follow the science constantly lately, aren't we? Isn't that the mantra? Follow the science. Anyway, so the feeling is that you got six conservative justices leaning to uphold the 15 week abortion ban in the Mississippi case. That does not end abortion in America. That does not take away a, quote, woman's right to choose in America. Uh, if it was sent back to the states and overturned completely, the states would then decide. I'm hard pressed to think of a single state that would outright ban abortion. I don't think it would happen. Anyway, the three liberal justices claiming that overturning Roe v. Wade would be driven by politics, religious motivations, suggesting sticking with precedent compared to the physical reactions of unborn babies to bread, uh, to dead people. Justice Robert questioned why 15 weeks is not enough time for a woman to choose. Brett Kavanaugh hinted that abortion rights should be left up to the states. That would mean he probably would vote to repeal. Um, and Amy Comey Barrett actually brought up alternatives to termination, including adoption. Uh, so people, again, everyone's trying to glean something from the arguments that are being made and the questions that are being asked by the justices themselves. The justices grilled lawyers on precedent and fetal viability and constitutional rights throughout all these arguments. They kind of went back and forth examining not just the legal standard for abortion laws based on the interest of the women protecting potential life, but the court's own public interest in protecting itself from losing faith in the public. And that's where Sotomayor, you know, her comments came to light. She also compared a, the, a fetus to a brain dead person and says fetal movement does not prove consciousness. She actually rejected the idea that a fetus that has the ability to move and react to pain is a human life. Well, if it's growing inside of a woman and it reacts to pain, that would be a sign of life in that case, knowing that it that's a child inside of that woman. Um, especially with modern medicine, we're now able to save kids premature you know, I mean, much earlier than we were than ever before. That's where science has taken us. You know, she said that virtually every state defines a brain death as death. Um, Sotomayor responded to arguments about new imaging technologies. And and her answer was, well, 40 percent of dead people, you know, if you touch their feet, their foot will recoil. There are spontaneous acts by by dead brain people. So I don't think a response to by a fetus necessarily prefers proves there's any sensation or pain uh, or that there's consciousness. That's not the point here. And she makes her statement about the political stench of the effort to overturn Roe. Um, and it's, uh, it was pretty contentious. 
Let's put it to say to say it mildly. Um, I don't see how it's possible," said the Mississippi Solicitor General. This guy named Scott Stewart. I think concern about appearing political makes it absolutely imperative that the court reach a decision well grounded in the Constitution. And I think that was a pretty good argument back. Um, Breyer asking why courts should disregard, you know, certain precedents with the Supreme Court. In, the, in this specific case, the legal principle for which the court generally follows previous rulings by overturning Roe. Um, that was a pretty interesting moment. The last 30 years, workability, developments in law, factual developments that states can't account for, Stewart said. Uh, interesting comments by Chief Justice Robert. Roberts fretting that the fate of other precedents, if if courts overturn Roe, he's he seems to be indicating that he might go along with the 15 weeks based on the science, but not overturn the precedent of Roe v. Wade. And this gets to the heart of what I've now found about John Roberts, which we learned during the Obamacare debate. Apparently, according to every source I know, that he was he was with the majority to overturn Obamacare. And we know the whole issue of the tax you know, not being called a tax, et cetera, et cetera. And he thread the needle and flipped at the last minute, many believe for political purposes, not wanting the, quote, Roberts court to be viewed through the prism of history as political. Um, then Roberts said there were a lot of cases around the time of Roe, not of that magnitude, but the same type of analysis that went through exactly the same sorts of things that we would today say were erroneous. If we look at it from today's perspective, it's going to be a long list of cases we're going to say were wrongly decided. Stewart replied that other controversial areas, once controversial areas, are quite settled, clear rules, and don't have those considerations against them. Roberts then asked this question. So why is 15 weeks not enough time to choose whether to abort a baby? Alito grilled the other side on the validity of viability as a line of abortion regulation. So he took aim at this pro-choice lawyer over whether viability was a logical legal threshold for when abortion should be prohibited. By asking the question, what would you say to the argument that has been made many times by people who are pro-choice and pro-life that the line really doesn't make any sense and that it is, as Justice Blackman himself described, arbitrary? And anyway, so Alito noted that while women may still want to terminate their pregnancy after viability, a fetus has an interest in having life both before and after. In other words, at that point, if it's viable, it is a human life and would deserve constitutional protections. Some people's view it doesn't, Your Honor. It is principled because it's ordering the interest at stake. The court has set, had to set a line between conception and birth. Justice Kavanaugh and Breyer had a heated exchange over whether the court should overturn precedent. And, you know, history tells a somewhat different story, I think, than is sometimes assumed, Kavanaugh said, about about the argument over precedents. He said, if you think about some of the most important cases in court, the court's history, there's a string of them where cases overruled precedent. I just I mean, it's just going to be pretty fascinating. But, you know, you can say this if they. If they just alter the timing because of new science, follow the science, and we know that viability has gone from, say, 23 weeks to 15 weeks, that a child is viable to live on its own outside of a mother's womb and a life can be saved, then it might not be overturned. But it's, it's you know the 
Democrats will, you know, it's going to a lot, a lot of, you know, that's going to be their main argument going into 2022. Uh, some Democratic senators following Remember Chucky Schumer saying, I want to tell you, Justice Kavanaugh and Justice Gorsuch, you have unleashed a whirlwind and you will pay the price. Now they're being threatened as well. Justice Thomas, remember, he spent 10 years on the court. Justice Thomas is a fascinating individual. I've had the honor of meeting him a couple of times. I think the world of him got one of the best laughs I've ever heard in my entire life. Um, anyway, he took a 10-year break from asking questions from the bench until the first case before the court following the death of Chief Justice Antonin Scalia, his ideological soulmate um, and a true originalist. If you've never read his book, My Grandfather's Son, you, you've got to read it. Such a good book. Anyway, he kept asking, does a mother have a right to ingest drugs and harm a pre-viable baby? Can the state bring child neglect charges against the mother? The pro-abortion attorney goes, that's, that's not what this case is about, but a woman has a right to make choices about her body. Thomas asks again, same answer. Anyway, Thomas later asks, would you specifically tell me, specifically state what the right is? Is it specifically abortion? Is it a liberty? Is it autonomy? Is it privacy? Now, this is basically he's asking here, show me where in the Constitution and this has been a long-held view of people that are pro-life, that, and, and my belief as well, that Roe is just bad law. They created a right out of thin air, not in the Constitution. The belief is this is something that the state should decide. And by the way, if Roe was overturned, the states would then decide. And people don't seem to know that aspect of it as, as well. I, I, just, I was just fascinated by the whole thing. Um, and we'll see probably sometime in June... Uh, what their ruling is on this. I, my my gut tells me they're going to thread the needle, probably go with the viability argument, and likely not overturn Roe. That would be based on John Roberts. John Roberts seems just extremely paranoid that the Roberts court will be viewed through the prism of history as political. And to accomplish that, he's being political, like on the Obamacare decision. But we'll see over time. Charles joins us next. He announced he's running as to get the Republican nomination to run for Senate in Pennsylvania. Lindsey Graham will join us to tell us whether or not Republicans cave and assist the Democrats with raising the debt ceiling. Joe Biden, according to Trafalgar, at a 36 percent approval rating, uh, the latest disastrous poll for him. Human Rights Watch puts out the Taliban has now executed or disappeared more than 100 U.S. Afghan allies. They're lying. Uh, we have evidence, by the way, Jussie Smollett, uh, in fact, uh, created an entire fraud and faked the attack against him. Trial's not going well in his case. And that and more in your calls, 800 941 Sean.